Hey, greetings, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Staredown. It's our weekly sports talk and real estate podcast amongst friends. I'm Sean Carpenter in Columbus, Ohio. We got Bill Risser down in St. Pete, Florida. Todd Meininger up in coming Georgia. And Anthony Malafronte across the bay from Bill in Tampa. What's up, boys? Long time. We're recording on a Tuesday night because I was out of town. We had some uh, sports happenings and some weather delays. Um, let's... Uh, is it Tuesday night? Sure, it's I think Tuesday. it's Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday. Oh, it's Wednesday. Night, yeah. <laughs> Wednesday night. Counting. Yeah, we're, that's right. It's counting. Yeah. We're yeah. So daily. I, uh, you know, this is where you usually ask me how my weekend went, but I'll, I'll share that. Um, you know, we're <clears throat> we're now in week two of Ted World. Um, I will share a story from tonight. I have video proof of it, but Ted loves to splash in his dog bowl, water bowl. <clears throat> he just goes mm. up and just splashes his feet till it's almost all gone. Then he drinks the rest. And so we bought a special anti-splash dog dish. Anthony told me about it. I think, Anthony, you told me it was available. The thing floats in the water. And then, you know, the dog presses down on it. And then water comes to the top and fills that little area. Well, Ted, inside of 12 seconds, looked at that, tapped it, and then jumped on it, pushed it to the bottom, and splashed all the water out. <laughs> He's I love water. Ted. We're in trouble. I love Ted. <laughs> all the water is all over the floor. And Cindy looked at me and said... Plan B. I got. I don't got a plan B. It's like Ted Lasso's spit take with the with the T. Yes. Exactly. It's, yes. Exactly. So uh, yeah, very very interesting dog. Uh, and and I was happy. I I actually, I had twelve pars, and I had three birdies and three doubles, which is not the best round, but for me it's my best round in a long time. Played okay. Mm. You know. Uh, three so. over. No, three bogeys and three doubles. That's nine over. <laughs> oh, you said three birdies and I'm three sorry, doubles. three bogeys three doubles and three and 12 pars. Okay. No I was going to say, God, three sorry. birdies and three doubles. Pretty good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So I shot 81 and uh, it felt good. good plan. Plus on the quota felt really good. You know, West chase is a tough course and uh, you win some money. Uh, one shot out of the money, <laughs> mm. <laughs> one shot out of the money, but, uh, but it was a, it was a great weekend. So weather's like, it's hot today was 90 with close to 90% humidity. It's a, it's a rough wow. in, in, in May. That's, I think that's early. Uh, but you it felt like it felt like a today. felt like a July day, right, Anthony? It was it was it was very hot yesterday and today. Hot and sticky. But then we're, we we got a reprieve on Friday and Saturday. Really low humidity and beautiful weather. It's going to be fun. So that's what's happening in uh, my neck of the woods, Todd. Yeah. So uh, did a double dip Saturday Sunday. Tennis is is uh, we're in, uh, in between seasons. So uh, did back to back pickleball Saturday Sunday, which. <laughs> Really, uh, really fun. Um, enjoy it. Get a good workout. Get a good sweat. Uh, meanwhile, my Braves are trying to blow a big lead. But um, that's not the uh, most important thing tonight. Uh, South Forsyth High School uh, beat uh, Woodstock, the Wolverines, 13-3. And for the first time in school history, they're advancing to the Elite Eight of the state uh, tournament. So... Wow. We're actually hosting a game Friday night because we should be on the road in Roswell, but they got uh, disqualified for having illegal players. Oh, they were they were they were busting in kids out of Dick's district and not disclosing it. Um, from what I understand, with respect to Roswell, I may be getting the details wrong. So, um, but we're playing. Uh, so we get to host a, a game on Friday. So if, if the boys can win on a Friday. Um, they'll make the final four of state. So super exciting time. Uh, this is Scott's last hurrah, my son. So um, 
uh, glad uh, glad to watch him play. He played great tonight, and uh, looking forward to Friday uh, for sure. Good, one yep. game at a time, and let's uh, let's win the next one, right? Yeah. What is it? Win in advance. That's what they say in, in March. Survive in advance. Yep. Survive in advance. That's it. Yep. Perfect. Good. Good luck to him. And that. So he's playing still, kind of an Atlanta region before they go statewide, right? No, this is state. Uh, how, they do it by areas, so um, it's his area. But uh, yeah, this is the this is it. This is the the you're you're uh, one and done. If you lose, you're out. Is he playing mighty Ringgold? Where, where's the team from next? <laughs> it's actually Centennial, which again is a greater Atlanta area. Um, okay, team. I, 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 I gotta say, most of the top lacrosse schools are Atlanta area. Yeah, not Valdosta find... or Dothan. Yep, you, you'll, you'll uh, Dothan's in Alabama, but yeah, you'll find that. Oh, that's uh, right. Skirts, Dalton, sorry, uh, Dalton. Dalton. Yeah, Dalton for sure. Yeah, the the um, city of Atlanta definitely has an advantage as far as popularity and uh, and and uh, club teams and all that stuff. So, uh, the team we beat tonight, three traveled to Augusta Evans High School and beat them. I want to say like twenty-two to four last week. So. That gives you an idea. They, they had to go on the road against the number one seed outside of Atlanta, and um, they took care of business pretty easy, and, and we had a, a pretty easy time of it tonight. They're, we were, hey, we were on. They, they were off uh, tonight, so you, you play it 10 times. Who knows what happens, but we fell on the uh, good side tonight for sure. Very good. Mal, how about you, bud? How was your weekend? Uh, it was, you know, Bill said he didn't win any money, but he didn't win $5 of my money. <laughs> Forgot about that. I did. And uh, not the, the golf game, Sean, with my my new uh, revised swing is coming around. My little modified stack and tilt. I shot 84, had a bunch of good holes, made a couple of birdies, but made a couple of, of bad swings. More, more. I'm just not aiming it well with my new swing the way I, I need to. Uh, but that that's coming along. We uh. We handicapped the uh, the Kentucky Derby to a, a miserable failure. We had almost everything, and you know, Bills. If no, if the first place horse came in second, we would have cashed a handy dandy check. But we didn't have the first place horse first. Um, that was so fun, Mel. That was so fun. By the it way, it was great. It was great. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, to give Bob Baffert and that little tiny horse some credit because. Uh, that's, that's the one spunky animal, Medina Spirit. Uh, the kitchen renovation is coming along fabulously. We got a bunch of appliances delivered today. Uh, cabinets are going to get uh, mounted on the walls tomorrow. Uh, we're, we're moving ahead with that. Uh, eating a little bit too much Chinese food, which you don't have to get to in great detail, but I'm looking forward to having my kitchen back so that I can eat less Chinese food. <laughs> and uh, our market here, Sean, continues to be crazy. Uh, yeah. It continues to be uh, a lot more work for the same number of deals. And I'm hearing it more and more from everyone. And, you know, uh, we normally get into this towards the end, but I'll just tell you that since I last spoke to you guys on the stare down, I've had multiple conversations with agents who are clearly more and more stressed by the dynamics of the market. It's, it's clear that especially agents with lesser experience uh, are very stressed by it. And we had a conversation with the team today or yesterday, excuse me, uh, about 
how we just need to be a, a better team player for the people to bring us offers. Even yeah. if we, we gave it, Bill, one mm-hmm. of the guys on the team, Bill Counts gave, uh, gave an example of, we had 11 offers on one of our listings. And on a day when five of those offers were the only offer, they wouldn't have been accepted. And they were part of an 11 offer, multiple offer situation. Uh, so there's, uh, you know, th- there is a lot of extra work involved in the real estate business at the moment. And having candid but helpful conversations with your colleagues, if there's another realtor out there listening, is probably a great thing to do. You know, I want to share something I read today or saw today. Uh, there, since in starting in 1940 and going all the way through to, to the 2000s, yeah. those decades, you see this stat? Somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 million homes <clears throat> were built. Some, somewhere in that range, in the decade, right? Does that sound about right? Yeah. And uh, each yes. decade. In the decade of 2010 to 2000, I'm sorry, 2010 to 2019, 5.2 million. Yes. The entire decade. So it wasn't Ooh. just the shortage that caused this kind of crisis. It's been it was building. The gradual slowdown. Yeah. yeah, the slowdown of the builders out of the recession. That's they just never caught back up. You see, you saw houses going up, but it wasn't at near the rate that it normally was. And when you, the last time the rate was that low was in the thirties, which is, you know, and you think about thirties, it's right after the depression. And there were only 130 million Americans or 160, mm. not, not 335. Yeah. So it's a very, uh, very strange. And Bill, I don't, I don't do a lot of new builds, but I, I do think there's a bigger picture there that you need to look at the legislators, the regulators, the, oh, the zoning people, sure. um, you know, they made it tougher for a builder just to go into the middle between Orlando and Tampa and buy a big swatch of land and drop down whatever the hell they wanted. Well, right? environmental people. Uh, yeah. I think uh, it's probably easier in Florida than some States, but yeah, there, you go to, California, I agree, but, but go to California. I'm just a lot of people, you know, you, you can't build anything in California. I mean, it's really yeah. strict there, you know, San Diego, everything's small little infill operations where they'll cram, zero lot lines into, you know, a space that should hold three homes, they'll get 12. Yeah. You're seeing that in Nashville right now. I mean, Nashville probably has more cranes in the skyline per capita than almost any city in America. Yeah. Very Um, interesting. Seattle, Atlanta, I'm sure you're seeing it downtown, right? Where people are, are, are filling in. So yeah. yeah. Multifamily housing apartments are like crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the, the, the demand for, for, you know, lower income, you know, affordable housing, quote unquote, that word affordable housing it sounds so simple and everybody wants to say, why can't we find more affordable housing? Yet it's just difficult to say, hey, investor, go buy this city block up, build new standard housing, but don't make money on it. Well, right? what, what, what if, what if, um, cause you know, they're, the builders are still building those. They want to build, they want to be that 2,500 square foot range for the money, makes mm-hmm. sense. But what if like, yeah, every time they built, there had to be a percentage that were 1,600 square feet, some number. Just you got to have that entry-level home because even a 1,600 square foot home is going to be 250 in most mm-hmm. markets. It's not like it's going to be 125 or 155 or whatever. It's going to be 250. You just, it yeah. just seems like there's no new, you know, unless it's a townhouse and usually the townhouses are going to be in some place where the, the prices are high. So your, 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 your 1,200 square foot two-bedroom, two-bath is going to go for 399 anyways. So yeah. it's just, a, it's a weird time, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, you know, we, we could sound like the old guys, you know, that walked uphill both ways to school in the snow. Um, but the fact is that all the, all four of us on this, on this podcast 
if we, you know, if we talked about the price we paid for our very first house, mm-hmm. while it's more than our parents paid for their first house, mm-hmm. it's way below what our kids are going to pay for their first house. Yep. You know, and it's no, that's true. You know, we got first time home buyers now buying seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar houses as first time mm. home buyers, right? Here, um, here's another dynamic to it. I, with the exception of living in cities, Bill lives in a city and he lives in a relatively small footprint in relationship to the suburbs of St. Petersburg. Sure, we're sure. We're one of the few countries that where we we need more space. Europe, England, there's they got flats. I mean, the, the rich of the rich have... The, the estates, but pretty much the working people across the country, across the world, have a much smaller footprint yeah, that they live in. Look at Japan. Right. <laughs> that, and, the, and even the wealthy in other countries live in a much smaller footprint than we do. Yeah. I mean, the average sale price on, on a home in Tampa has gone up quarter over quarter, year over year for a pretty long time. And it's projected to be exponentially more over the next three to five years because the value in Tampa is great. But the size of the home, the average size of the home is of almost 2,000 square feet. And if that's the average, we are building homes that are too big, in my opinion. Uh, Now that's not gonna change because that's what people want, right? Especially after the uh, pandemic, they, they want to work at home. The, right. the whole the and, McMansion you know, to thing. To dovetail so back into sports, some of that, in my humble opinion, has to do with the current buyer pool, the buyer population. They're coming from a place where they got trophies for showing up at sporting events and they want everything in their very first house. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Right? They want everything in their very first house. I don't know anyone of my generation who had granite in the first home that they bought. No. Right. I don't know one person in the generation. I mean, and a pool in a three car garage and your finished basement. Yeah. I mean, so, so the expectation of what people want is driving what builders are building. They can't Mm. build them quick enough. They can't get the materials to build them fast enough and they can't make the kind of money that they need to make on them. Yeah. So the price changes midway through. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and Sean, we will not get into it because this is a, a sports real estate show, but from the construction side, the cost of building materials. Oh my God, it's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Steel, the price of steel right now. It's yeah. unbelievable, right? Right. It so, affects so which, much, which, you know, we don't even think Which about impacts it. appliances right now are all, all on back order. And glass is on back order. And lumber is unbelievable right now. Well, hey, right? great, great stare down tonight. I think, Anthony, what do you got planned this weekend? I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I see you, Bill. I see you, guys. I got I got back to uh, to got to go to Oklahoma City for the second time in the same calendar year. Uh, felt like I knew the place. Uh, you guys know my my oh, yeah. directional yes. uh, savantness. Yeah. Uh, kind of knew where the the neighborhood pubs were and knew where the parking spots were. And uh, got Ryan all moved into his his place. I called him on my way home tonight from a listing presentation just to chat, see how his first day went. He texted me 25 minutes later going, dad, I'm still at work. Don't bother me. Oh, <laughs> he works till nine tonight, but, uh, wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, realized that his boss, Tim Fleming and kind of a, it was a kind of a, almost a side hand. Uh, Hey, this is EJ Fister. He's our director of, of instruction. 
So I do a little research on, on the guys that Ryan's working for. Two of the five-member team that won the 1987 NCAA championship for Oklahoma State Cowboys uh, here in Columbus at the Scarlet Course. Wow. Um, Brian Watts was the low man. Um, so it's kind of fun going back through and looking at some of the guys that played for Oklahoma State, Jeff Sluman, and you know some of the guys that, that played with uh, – or, or I'm sorry, Scott Verplank, and uh, some of the guys that played with – Sluman played at Florida State. Um, so it's kind of neat that Ryan's going to be out there working in Oklahoma City. It was, it was 53 yesterday after a rainstorm went through uh, and all the members there were freezing cold. And I said to the guys, I said, when will it be 100? They said, probably by the end of the month. And it will be 100 pretty much from July 1 through August 5th when Ryan leaves. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Just in time for boot camp for Scott, right? Well, right, exactly. Well. Exactly. So well, guys, let's, so let's talk maybe, a little sports. Maybe, maybe Ricky will drop by, you know. When yeah, working. right. Well, they, you know, the, the, it's funny because they talked we, on the way into town, guys. We, we, uh, we went through Tulsa on the way from Columbus, and it, it's literally a, it's a mile off the freeway. So we drove past Southern Hills uh, wow. and kind of drove the perimeter of the course and kind of saw through the gates and saw the you know the course where the PGA Championship will be next year. Um, Retief Goosen won there, uh, you know, a couple years back. Remember the 18th hole where. Stuart Sink and Ernie Els, I think, missed short putts to yep. force a playoff. Um, Goosen wins that, but uh, it's kind of neat. Ryan, Ryan's eyes lit up because the pros, the assistant pros at the course said, yeah, we'll get over to, to Southern Hills and we'll go up to Oak Tree and we'll go up to Karsten Creek. And uh, wow. Yeah. So kind of, wow. you know, when you think of some of the big courses in Oklahoma, it'd be fun for Ryan to experience that. That's awesome. Um, guys, let's, let's start. Usually we start with championships, but not very often you can start with a no hitter damn near a perfect game. Baltimore Orioles pitcher, John means today pitched a no hitter mm. faced 27 batters, but did not get a perfect game because in the third inning, Double play, wild man. pitch, third strike Ooh. runner reached on a passed ball or oh. a wild pitch, actually a drop third strike. Then he was retired when he got thrown out, caught stealing so he only <laughs> faced 27 batters yeah. but did not get the perfect game nope. so, was it, no wild, hitters, so. was it a wild pitch or a pass ball that's wild pitch. wild pitch all right so he is unfortunately for him it's on the hook <laughs> yeah. and, and good for the catcher that it's not uh right. his fault right he wouldn't be he wouldn't be sleeping well if he allowed a pass ball right yeah, i bet yeah. you he's still not he's probably win. he's still not sleeping well because he's he blaming himself he i could have blocked it right yeah yeah, yeah. First, uh, I know first that's pitcher, the first, first Orioles pitcher since Jim Palmer. Yeah, nineteen sixty-nine. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They had the they had the combo no hitter, but that's the first individual no hitter. Remember, they had that six pitcher no hitter ten years right. ago. Correct. So the next two, the next teams on the clock. Do you, did you guys see the stat by ESPN? Who's the who do you think is the next team that hasn't the longest active streak without an individual no hitter? Well, I know it's not Go the ahead. Padres. It's not the Padres because they got theirs this Hold year. On. Their first one ever this year. Do the Braves have one? I can't, I'm trying to think. Been a while. Yep. Been a while. The, Miami. It's the Pirates. Mm. 1976. Pitcher, you guys will remember John Candelaria. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. John Candelaria. And then before that, or, or the next one up, Cleveland Indians with Len Barker. Mm. Oh, wow. Think of all the great pitchers Indians have had. That was a perfect game, right? Len Barker was a perfect game. 27 up, 27 out, down, yeah. yeah. Who was who was the other pitcher for the Pirates that no-hitter right before Candelaria? Doc. Uh, 
Doc somebody. He went by the name Doc. And he literally- Doc Redman? No, no. We'll, we'll find it. But the uh, story was he was high on Coke when he threw that no-hitter. So against oh, the Padres. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. No, no. That was- um, um, Stock somebody. Oh, God. Doc Gooden? Nope. <laughs> Not no, no, no. Could have no. been. Um, <laughs> I can picture his face. <laughs> Now I was going to Google it. I'm looking for it. Um, Doc I, Ellis. I, I, Doc Ellis. Doc Ellis. Yeah. Yep. There it is right there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Doc Ellis. Wow. Yeah, so he, oh, he, sorry. Take that back. He was on acid. <laughs> really? That's what he said. Good <laughs> I mean, grief. I love the internet, wow. right? He was, it was against the Padres. He was on acid. Doc Ellis. And he got a new Wow. Hey, there you go. Not he was listening to American Beauty, Mel. He was listening to American Beauty on uh, great baseball stat today. The the pitcher for the White Sox, who I, I forget who he was. They were playing against, and I'm drawing a. That was against. Uh, uh, hold on, I'm looking it up right National now. National League team. Uh, I know that. Played a National League team, right? He had seven shutout innings and three hits in the game. <laughs> and the last time that that was done was Catfish Hunter. Wow, nice Oakland A's or the or the Yankees. Wow. Yep, yeah. it had to be the uh, had to be the A's because early in his career there was no DH. Right, so Yankees. It was, he was the last time it was done was Catfish Hunter. And on uh, uh, wow, what's the kid's name? Because the kid's pitching really well at the moment. Uh, so let's let's jump. We'll we'll come back to baseball, big picture. Let's let's talk derby. Um, now you hit you teased on it earlier. Um, I you know once again I'm not a horse guy. I don't bet on it. I know Todd and Mal were talking backstage. Um, I did pick Medina Spirit, uh, kind of just because of the name. Um, you know we were all throat just in a text thread saying who we're gonna think was gonna win. I looked on the line. I looked who, who no one else had picked. I picked Medina Spirit, and he won. Um, John Velasquez, Bob Baffert, kind of the goat, right? The goat of the horses, yep. um, becomes the winningest. He's a trainer, right? Is that what he's called? Trainer? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Winningest trainer in the history of the Kentucky Derby. Um, interesting stat on that horse. He's never been passed in a race and he took the lead early and you kept thinking like angles of the cameras. It looked like he was going to, and he just never gave up the lead. Uh, was mm. pushed at the end. It was a Mal. I, I think as far as finishes go, it was kind of a neck, 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 neck. Um, I it think was, did he win by a neck or did he win by a head or a he, nose? Officially, a half a length, a furlong. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. So, no, so a half a length of a horse. Eight lengths. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <clears throat> right, Sean. He, he officially won by a half a length, and it was four horses coming down the stretch. Uh, but Sean, to your point, no one was no one was passing that horse, and. While Bob Baffert is the greatest of all time, he passed, uh, you know, he has the most Kentucky Derby wins of anybody and he's got two uh, triple crowns and he's won a plethora of, of the major races across the, not just the United States, but across the world. Uh, John Velasquez is one of the best riders that we'll ever see. Right. And he hurried that horse out to the front and then just relaxed him around the corner they didn't go that fast in the first quarter of a mile and he just he just kept them there got him to where he needed to be and said if anyone's going to pass this horse they're going to have to run harder than him to pass him and we'll just see how tough he really is 
and how far he can really go. And it turns out he was tougher and could run that distance because none of those horses had gone a mile and a quarter before in their lives, right? In that, okay. in that situation. And John Velasquez put him in the perfect position to win. Now, that being said, the Kentucky Derby is a, it's a race where you have to have some racing look. I heard Bob Baffert talk today on the radio and the, 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 uh, the interviewer on uh, XM radio said, Bob, we, we saw a video of you when you're walking over to the winning circle and all you kept saying was, I can't believe he won. I can't believe he won. And yep, you're right. I couldn't believe he won. That's what Bob said. He said he had no business winning that race except for the fact that we had just the right amount of racing luck. Uh, the second choice, uh, Rock My World. When the horse broke, he got they got pinched together. If you watch the race, the 14, 15, and 16 slots all got like punched together. And the jockey on the 15, Rock My World, lost his stirrup, literally. Mm. And it took seven or eight strides for him to get his foot back in the stirrup. And the race was lost right there. That horse didn't have a chance, right? Now, and the like last right out of the game. Right out of the gate, literally out so of the, the horses gate. converge, right? The yeah. horses converge, and there's a there was some uh tussling, right, Mel? Yeah, there's a, there's always a little bumping, right? There's a little bumping out of the gate, especially with 19 horses in this case, 19 horses racing. all coming out of one gate, going around the first turn of any race, right? There's always a little bumping. The only time the stewards will ever I call a horse down is if it's blatant at the early part of the race, but most times they're not. They'll only really call a race down, a horse down, disqualify them like they did a couple of three years ago in the Kentucky Derby is when they're coming down the stretch and a horse impedes the, the progress of another. So that last quarter of a mile, if you will, right? So the, the bumping that goes on early on to get position is, is, is critical. The favorite essential quality got hung four or five paths wide going around the first turn and the second turn, that gray horse that was the not the prohibited favorite, right? Which ends up which ends up being about thirty extra steps, right? I mean, it, it, you know. it's pretty far, right? Medina's spirit of all of the horses in the race, and they have the the stats and the technology to to figure this out. They all ran around a quarter of a mile track, but Medina's spirit went the shortest distance, right? right? Essential quality ran significantly further by about 40 yards because he was five or six paths outside the rail around the first turn and around the second turn. Yeah, it's like when you watch track and field and they got the staggered starts to make exactly. up the difference, right? Yeah. There's no staggered start in, race, in horse racing. So getting that position, that, that racing luck is, is critical. And it's the one race. I heard Nick Zito, who's got two, you know, two Kentucky Derby winners, you know, and there was a little bit of jealousy and not jealousy as much as amazement that Bob Baffert has had so many good horses, as he put it, fall into his lap. Right. And this one, he had a decent horse. You know how much that horse cost? Any of us could have bought that horse. Yeah. Then when it, when it sold as a yearling. For a thousand dollars. One thousand dollars. The lady was getting a divorce. $1, she was getting a divorce and had to get rid of some horses. Right. Yep. And then, so. but then sold, but then sold as a two-year-old in training for $36,000. Yeah. 
<laughs> and stud fees are going to be amazing, right? In the right. millions. There were horses in the race that sold at yearling sale, one-year-old sale, for, for 800000 1.2 million. This, whole, this horse sold in training for $36,000, which is pretty... It's, it's a good one of the great things about horses, right, Mel? Good under a horse, under could, a horse story. Yeah, you could pick up one of those horses at uh, Tampa Downs in those <laughs> claiming races. Yes, you right? can. Yeah. There's thousand dollar claiming races there all the time. Yep. <laughs> Let's go get one. <laughs> Someday, Bill. All right. Todd, Todd, did you watch the Derby? Did you enjoy it? What was your your vibe? It was one of the latest post times I remember. It's six fifty seven. Um, I'm not sure if that was just to get as many front end races or to make up lost ground mal on the thing but todd what do you think of the race uh did i watch it uh yes did i enjoy it did i ever for sure um actually uh a buddy of mine uh, i got uh some broad action and um i almost hit we almost hit <laughs> if if the uh the second third or fourth horse won and everyone else dropped mine. It would have been a, a nice little uh, little payday. But hey, easy come, easy go. It, it was it was certainly a very exciting two minutes of sports. So a lot of fun, a lot of fun for sure. And and again, just just to keep like the whole race in perspective, Secretariat, nineteen seventy three, still holds the track and stakes record at a minute fifty nine and three fifth seconds. Mm. Uh, this was no 204? horse has what's that was this two, 203 or 204 203 what was... One, 159 wow. if they put the two horses together 1973 and 2021 secretariat would have won by 15 lengths how many lengths did secretariat win each race by 21 and a half i think right even it was there it was huge at least 20 in every race wow ridiculous he, yeah uh, he, uh, the, the kentucky derby was actually pretty close oh. in secretariat's year he won the preakness by eight and he really? won the belmont by 35 or 36 <laughs> and the only horse in the history of the of the triple crown that ran all three races when you take the quarter splits, so the quarter mile split, the half mile split, the three quarter mile split, the one mile split, and the mile and a quarter in the Kentucky Derby, the only horse in the history of all three races to run each successive quarter faster than the previous one. Yeah. Mm. Cool. One of a kind. Absolutely. Yeah, it, was a, it, it was, I can't wait for the Preakness, to be honest with you. It'll Matt, be great. where's your passion? I'm looking for passion. I'm not seeing it. Oh, I love this stuff. Uh, you know, uh, someone asked on Facebook recently, you know, uh, what did you want to be when you were growing up? And I, you guys know this. I wanted to be a jockey up until the time I grew to be six foot tall. That's it. You're way too big, buddy. Yeah. What are you saying, Todd? And according tall, to my too doctor tall. today, way too tall. Todd, way tall. too fat. Tall. I said tall, right? <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, Valspar. Down by you, Bill hmm. and, and Anthony. Um, listen to it. Ryan and I listened to it as we were rolling through the Midwest. Uh, Sam Burns Ooh. wins his Ooh. first, probably not his last, but his first tournament. 
Although there's been many guys that have won one but never won more. Uh, but this guy's been hanging around the chicken coop for a long time and he battled on the back nine. And I, I, I you know, I'll never say that Keegan Bradley lost it because Sam Burns clearly won it, but Keegan Bradley, huge mistake on 13, making the double bogey, hitting in the water. Um, Sam Burns, you know, got through the, what's it called the snake pit, the snake yeah. trap. The, yeah, yeah, snake, snake pit, pit, last three holes. Birdied yeah. 16, which was huge, and just gave him that extra little cushion to, to make a bogey on on 18. Unfortunately, couldn't couldn't tap it in or couldn't make that putt to tie Vijay Singh's 18 under record um but all in all pretty good tournaments some some lesser names i guess you'd say yeah but hovland and keegan bradley a major winner uh i think we all agree hovland will probably win a major at some point in time what was the vibe down there bill uh you know it's it's funny uh, <laughs> because uh, maybe it's just because of the pandemic and just all that other stuff um, Anthony, I didn't really hear a lot about the golf tournament. You know, I just was, I, I knew it was on television. I watched it, um, right. but it just wasn't that big a deal, even with all that talent there. Cause you had DJ and the, you know, Justin Tom, there were a lot of really good players to watch. Um, but just kind of, just kind of ho-hum uh, on the, uh, you know, on the, on the area, you know, we got so many you know, championships here in Tampa lately that uh, you know, it takes a lot go. to impress a sports fan when, when you go. got the lightning and you got the bucks and, yeah, yeah, you got the American League champion Rays. It's pretty, you know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know, it's That's a it. tournament where the big names haven't done very well. Well, that right? Tiger had that second place finish. That was, that was super fun a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. That's about it. You're right. Uh, Paul Casey's so see, not a I huge mean, Back man. in the day, VJ, VJ won when he was like, you know, close to the top 10. And yeah. you got it's kind of a weird spot well. on the schedule that a lot of guys take, you know, I, JT played in it, but. Um, well, normally it's, you know, it's earlier in the year. Normally I mean, they pushed it back yeah, this year because of the right. switching. It, it normally it's kind of before Bay Hill. Right. And so, yeah. you know, the yeah. timing works out good to go from, from Innisbrook over to Orlando. This was, remember they were in Texas. Then they came down or they were in uh, New Orleans, then here, then they go to Charlotte, then they go to Texas, then back to Kiowa. Wow. You know, and it's, it's a golf course that. that you have to be long to play it, but you can't overpower it. You can't overpower it in his no. brook. You still have to have – it's ball strikers win this tournament. And uh, the, the guy, Keegan, Sam Burns, Victor Hovland, uh, Abraham Answer is a great ball striker. He was in the top five. Uh, Max Holm is a great ball striker. He was, uh, he was I think, tied for sixth or seventh. Uh Ball strikers win this golf tournament, and you have to have a little length because some of these holes are pretty long. That, uh, that, that drive on 17, Anthony, with the water down the right and the hole oh. bends to the right, it's, yep. for us on the up tees, it's, it's a nightmare. I, and I know pros are pros. They're really good at what they do, but, man, how do you decide how much you're going to cut off? And there's some trees that are down there a certain length that are on the, right on the bank. You know, even 18, <laughs> Bill, when you think about 18, yeah. they, they have the, the mini church pews along the right-hand side. The whole fairway tilts from right to left. Yeah. The hole goes uphill about 20, 30 yeah, Pretty feet. drastically, yeah. yeah. Pretty yeah good it hill. goes uphill, and the whole hole goes from, from right to left yeah. to another bunker. And on Saturday, uh, uh, Sam Burns had a – looked like a pretty good drive, took a, a very awkward bounce, and bounced dead left into that trap. Yeah. 
uh, I mean, it's and the, the fairway itself, the hittable area in the fairway is very, very narrow. Uh, well, and the green, the green across is, I don't know, 15 steps. There's nothing between left and right. Yeah, it's, it's long it's, and skinny, yeah. uh, like, almost yeah. like the Olympic Club 18, where it's just, you got to be mm -hmm. so precise. So. Now we're, we're lucky to have a course like that in, in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, mm. You know, it's, it's a, it, it's a, it's certainly a ball it's, strikers course. It's worthy of its, of its, you know, brand reputation, so to speak. It's a great course. I mean, it's, you yeah. know, um, in, in, a, in a very interesting, it's, it's surrounded. I don't know if you knew this Todd, or, or Sean, both of you, it's surrounded by like, um, like condos and things you rent and live at. It's just a resort. I mean, yeah. it's just surrounded by them. And that's what it's known for. So people just fly in, stay at Innisbrook, probably play there, play around town, Anthony. Right. And then, uh, have a great sure. vacation. It's just amazing. Well, think about it. When you, even when you drive to the place, you drive down route 19, Yeah, which runs from Tallahassee to Key West. Yeah. Right? It's, right. A, it's a major thoroughfare. And that's it's where Newport Ritchie is. And, and yeah, and exactly. Almost out the Springs. And yeah. Yeah. And, and, and driving into Innisbrook, it's very, very flat, but the moment you get inside the property, it's this one little, I mean, it's a pretty big piece of property. There's five golf courses on it, yeah. but the elevation changes and the, 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 the landscape, the yeah. trees, it's, it, it's just this thing pretty close to the Gulf of Mexico too. I mean, if you go it, West, it's only a couple of miles to the Gulf of Mexico. You don't feel like, you miles, don't feel like really. you're in Florida. That's for sure. No, <laughs> yeah, it's, and, it, and everything around it is flat. Yeah. And then this one piece of property is perfect for four golf courses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's just a great finish there with the long par threes. You really, really, you know, take the wedges out of the hands of the pros. And really, I mean, after, was it 12, you know, they're not hitting anything less than a six iron into the greens, yeah. um, which really and puts the a par shot. Threes on. are very, Tron, that's a great point. The par threes on this golf course are very challenging. Every one of yeah. them. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's Every where I think a lot of the old school courses are, are still winning is the par threes. It's not the fives because everyone can hit the par fives now pretty much in two or, or, or have a gap wedge in their hand at, at, at worst. Um, so um, this week they head to Wells Fargo. They're up in Charlotte this week as we will be passing through there on Wednesday, on a Friday, I'm way down to Riley's graduation. So I'll be about uh, six miles as the crow flies as I drive down 75. Uh, great course there. Uh, should be a stacked leaderboard as a lot of the guys will come in, play in Charlotte, not go to Texas, stay on the coast, and probably go out to uh, somewhere along the coast of Carolina and play um, to, to start getting the wind and the temperatures and the weather uh, in, their, in their favor. So kind of a neat spot on the, on the schedule for for Wells Fargo, but Wells Fargo has become a really a must play event for a lot of the big names. So look for a good leaderboard there. Guys, let's talk quickly about the draft. Hmm. Um, first of all, let's just talk production wise. I thought Cleveland, uh, it was rainy night on Thursday, but the crowd was great. Uh, I thought the, the telecast was good. They did an ESPN and an ABC telecast. I watched the ABC version with Reese, Davis and Herb, Herb Street and the kind of the college guys. And then the NFL team was kind of on the ESPN side. Uh, no, no surprise. Trevor Lawrence goes number one to the Jaguars. Three QBs start the night. Zach Wilson goes to 
goes to the Jets. Trey Lance, kind of the surprise pick from North Dakota State. Young kid goes to uh, San Francisco. Todd, your boy gets Kyle Pitts, the highest tight end ever picked in the draft. Bengals go with Jamar Chase, team up a LSU receiver. Interesting how the receivers kind of went to their former quarterbacks, right? Jamar Chase, and you had uh, Jalen Waddle goes to Alabama with, with um, Tua. Um, Tua, and then mm-hmm. uh, Devontae Smith goes to Philly with Jalen Hurts. So just and let's you- talk, Todd, let's start with you. Uh, the vibe down there about, I mean, Kyle Pitts, I think everybody agrees. Let's say Trevor Lawrence was the obvious pick as QB. I think a lot of people, home, homers or not, as Florida fans, a lot of people say Kyle Pitts is the steal of the draft as far as a physical specimen. What are they saying in Atlanta? Yeah, so um, as far as that pick goes, uh, I think the majority, vast majority, thrilled with the pick, right? It was He was the not only the best player available, um, but with Julio Jones and, and um, is it Calvin Ridley? or the Calvin other Ridley, yep. Yeah, um, they just think this is the Tony Gonzalez tight end piece that slides in and makes makes this an amazing um, passing attack, right? And Matt Ryan, a, a little long the tooth, but I think he's got, you know, a couple, three years left in him, so. He's got some Tom Brady savviness, let's just, let's say that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's got, he's got some time left, so um, I think the first three quarterback picks, uh, they, they all needed a quarterback. Um, when you have Matt Ryan, uh, arguably a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, uh, this was a perfect pick um, for the Falcons. So I, I, I can safely say that um, everyone's excited about the pick, and I'm super excited because you know I went to Florida, so it's kind of neat to have uh, Kyle Pitts come. But he, listen, um, either Todd McShay or Mel Kuyper, one of those guys said, if I had to pick a potential Hall of Famer, in the first round, I would say Kyle Pitts is that the best option to fit that role. So yeah. whether that happens or not, how can you be upset with that pick, right? I mean, you're just, you make the best decision you can at the time uh, with your slot. And I think the Falcons did. So well done. Well done on picking Kyle Pitts. Bill, you're, what, what stood out to you in the first round? Um, or really any of the draft, but the first round specifically. Yeah. Well, I thought it was weird uh, to see Trevor Lawrence get hooked up right away with Travis Etienne. I mean, with, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was Sean called that by the way. Yeah. Harvey yep. called that. I yeah. picked it a couple picks early. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and look uh, the, for the bucks to, I think it was great for the bucks to keep, you know, beef up the defense, always smart, you know, defense wins uh, championships. We know that uh, ask Patrick Mahomes, future hall of famer. And I think that, um, you know, so that was huge. Joe Tryant as the guy they picked up, edge rusher. And uh, so that looked good. What else? Um, uh, the, the, that freaking Bill Belichick just sat there and didn't do a thing. And Mac Jones fell right in his lap. That was kind of a piss. Right. But other than that. Should have been the third. Should have been the third pick. Should have been like way 15. up there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah anyways, so uh, Trey Lance. Let's see how that goes. I guess they're just trying to get that Carson Wentz magic. Uh, but we'll see. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, obviously, you know, could Mac Jones fit the future Tom Brady mold anymore? You know, kind Perfect. of a kind of backup quarterback, you know, doughy white guy, yep. smart, but you yep. know, yep. uh, 
not not highly rated until kind of late. Um, but a couple championships on his rings, right? It's a couple hey. a couple fingers with with rings. Yep. Speaking of that, speaking of uh, not necessarily Doey, uh, but uh, Kyle Trask backing up Brady's pretty sweet, right? Yeah, yeah well, to see. I, I want to go to Mal, but before we talk about the pick in the second round, Mal, I want to talk about your Giants picking Kadarius Tony. We were actually live on the chat as that was happening. Yes, we and were. Mal was a little bit befuddled as a Giants. I love fan. it. Now that you have some time and you've read probably some New York posts and some, some chat, what, what's, what's the vibe? You know, I, overall, the Giants had one of, the, one of their better drafts. Uh, they took a player that they felt they needed at, to start, and um, I guess I'm okay with that, but the remaining players that they picked uh, all fill, fill needs, and they, I think they got great value. I mean, for me, the teams that seem to have done the best, Atlanta being one of them, uh, Cleveland being one of them. Yeah, Cleveland uh, filled holes, yeah. Cleveland did really, really well, right? Baltimore did really well, in my opinion. Now, they filled needs that they had, right? So after uh, Kadarius Tony, which turns out to be, he's a pretty good player, right? They got a great edge rusher. Um, they got uh, a couple of linebackers. Um, and uh, they got a, a couple of defensive backs, which they need, big cornerbacks that they need. They, they've been riddled uh, in, at that position for a while. Um, but the thing that was the most striking to me, Sean, in our lifetimes, the NFL has kind of gone from a running back league. We can remember some of the great running backs and where they were chosen. And it's more of a quarterback slash tight end league now, right? Yep. Uh, yep. When you think about it, right? Somebody like Kyle Pitts is, you know, it, to, to the point that that I think it was Bill or, or or Todd just made. If there's a Hall of Famer in that first round, nobody's picking any of those quarterbacks because they all have to prove themselves. But in the current NFL schemes, the tight end is a very important player, and we. I think the first running back was picked, what, 24th or 25th? Yeah, it's probably the is. Well, maybe, maybe ATN was in the 18 or 19 spot. but He was like 25th. I mean, I can remember when huh. running backs were top top 10 picks all the time. Yeah. Right? Uh, got to be a game changer now. You got to be something special. Yeah, and really, I think the draft, you know, there's so much that if you don't pay attention after the Super Bowl – a lot of free agency fill-ins are the lines, defensive and offensive lines. You're not getting a lot of skill players in free agency. Um, so you got to kind of, before you say anything, you got to kind of look at what your team did. Cause you know, the Bengals did fill some holes on offensive line on free agency before they picked Jamar Chase. Obviously Panay Sewell, the guy from Oregon was kind of slotted in for the Bengals. Like got to get a left tackle to guard yeah. Joe yeah. Burrow. And then they yeah. filled in a couple of slots and they felt like, man, wouldn't it be good if we could pair him up with a guy who he knows for a year, the timing, right? And so and, you're- and here's another thing, right? Quarterbacks, I mean, I put something in our, in our text stream and I was listening to the radio in a traffic jam and uh, the talk show hosts were messing it up. But the reality is a lot of first, first round draft quarterbacks are not with the teams that they were drafted by. Mm -hmm. And- with the exception of Kansas City two years ago, 
the quarterbacks, the teams that have won the Super Bowl, going back pretty far, you can say that Seattle is another off, doesn't fit what I'm about to say, but pocket passing quarterbacks are guys that win the Super Bowl. Now, Tom Brady has won seven of them, but you go back, you got, you got Tampa Bay, Kansas City that didn't ha really have a pocket passing quarterback. Before that, New England, Philly, New England, Denver, New England, Seattle, Baltimore, and the Giants. And then back to 2011, Green Bay. All these teams, for the most part, have won Super Bowls with pocket, with the same guy, Mac Jones, right? With, with the, those, those pocket passers, not the, the, the little water bug guys that, that, that we, we all have paid a lot of money to watch play football. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, Bill, any thoughts on your Cardinals or not your Cardinals, but just, you know, um, Nah, just, yeah, yeah, I pay attention to what the Bucks are doing. You know, um, I don't care what the Chargers did. I couldn't tell you anything about their draft. <laughs> but, oh, they, they, I know they got an offensive lineman to guard um, uh, their QB, uh, the new guy. What's his name? The Herbert, young kid. Herbert. Herbert. Out of Oregon. Yeah. Needs protection. Yeah. yeah. So, um, no, nah, really for me, it was just watching uh, what the Bucks were going to do. I thought, I thought they had a couple of great first picks. I got to be honest. I didn't watch anything on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, neither did I. Just, tough enough tuning in Friday. Just kind of watch the scroll going past really quickly, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You got to be really a diehard to uh, stay engaged with, I don't know, what is it? 20 hours of coverage over three days. Mm. Yeah. You got to be, yeah. You get like, like the guys who follow high school draft, you know, it's just, Oof. or high school uh, recruiting. Yeah. Um, let's, let's jump MLB really quick. I said, we circle back to it. Um, go through the divisions. I'm going to read you guys. Once again, we're kind of in the second full month of the season now. Uh, American League, Boston, Kansas City, and Oakland hmm. all right, are your division leaders. But Baltimore, last place in the East, only three and a half back. Yep. Detroit, Central, nine games back this early hmm. in the season. Uh, Texas, five games back. Over in the National League, Philadelphia, St. Louis, and San Francisco are your division leaders. Todd, your Atlanta Braves last place right now, but only one and a half games back. Literally just a flip of a series, and they are in first place. That's amazing. Um, depending on what else happens, they, Pittsburgh four and a half, and Colorado six games back. So those are your last place teams and first place teams. Just pointing it out that it's still so early in the season that last place doesn't mean much, but like Detroit could quickly be X on their schedule, eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> Yeah, Braves won tonight. Uh, no one in the East is above 500. It's just one right. of those kind of wonky divisions, uh, 30 games in. Um, Bill, help me with his the pronunciation. I should know this, but uh, – Enoa Huasca. Sure. Wainoa, right? Enoa? Enoa. Enoa. Yeah. So, first pitcher in Braves history to have back-to-back -back home runs and consecutive starts. So he hit a grand slam uh, yesterday. Isn't so his nickname is like designated Hawaska instead of designated hitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The pitcher, Enoa, Enoa, Hawaska, Enoa. I'm pretty sure he's from Venezuela. But um, gosh, like his his uh, his hitting is better than his pitching, and his pitching is is pretty darn good so far. So um, 
there are some jokes about uh, uh, who's the uh, the guy for the Angels um, from Joey Atoni. Sure. Yeah, there are some jokes about that. Like he's the next uh, Atoni. Um, yeah, cool, cool uh, for sure. Story. He's a big kid, big kid, right? He is. He kind of, he's I, I saw him coming. Yeah, I was like, wow, that, that guy's big. <laughs> he's dealing and he swings like uh, uh, Snitker, the manager, last night in his press conference, like. Yeah, he won't see many fastballs anymore because he's the pitcher and, and you know, it's the easy out throwing fastballs and he's, <laughs> you, know, he's you know, three for eight or four for eight. So um, I'm sure once they realize they just can't throw the uh, batting practice fastball to him, um, yeah. you know, maybe he'll calm down. But just a neat story that uh, he had the only brave ever to have back-to-back home runs and back-to-back starts as a pitcher. Awesome. So, hey. Sean, I got an interesting stat for you. Just peeking at some things. Um, we, you look at run differential a lot in baseball, right? You like that stat. That, yeah, I love and, uh, it. So the Royals are leading the uh, Central, barely by a half game over the White Sox. The Royals' run differential is minus nine. The White Sox differential is thirty-seven plus thirty-seven. Wow! <laughs> and and bringing up the rear, <laughs> Detroit with their eight and twenty-two record in one month, their Oof. run differentials minus sixty-six. Oh, yes. my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness that's bad pitching and bad hitting right there so that's, that's wow. bad that's bad what's you the dodgers, you should, no. dodgers. No, no, what's not, the dodgers well the dodgers went on a horrible stretch they lost like yeah they lost three tonight. of 11 they, they won yeah. three of their last 11 so i think they're gonna it's gonna come back to earth uh they are sitting at yeah, right there run differential um yeah they're sitting at 38 giants are at 31 so the dodgers had to be in the 50s before they're current uh rough stretch they're they're yeah. two and eight in their last 10 so yeah bill wow. we live we live long enough the eight and 22 tigers were 35 and five in 1984 right yeah i know so, that you can bring it up again because they beat the padres in five games i didn't i didn't mention anything about the padres it's oh, not all about yeah, you, you bill yeah you did it's not all about yeah, you. Super super passive passive you got the raise to root for now bill super passive aggressive that was <laughs> good amazing. thing good thing you're hey, over it by the way yeah you know, but in, in one game one of the games though the Tigers had to come back from a score of 28 to three. So it was where they, they really earned their. I see. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. It's just never going to, never going to be bad. It's yeah, awesome. Guys, let's quickly hit NBA. Rather than talk about teams that are still in it, let's talk about the teams that have been eliminated. Noted, uh, Orlando, Noted. <laughs> Orlando, Cleveland, Detroit out in the East. No, no chance making the playoffs. Um, Clinched so far, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Milwaukee in the West. Phil- Phoenix right now, Bill. Phoenix leading the West. Not anymore. They just got crushed by the Hawks, 135-103. Thanks a lot. Did Tom. they? Okay. Yeah. 135 playing against tonight. to 103. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Phoenix, Utah, the Clippers, and Denver have their playoff spots locked up. Uh, Oklahoma City, Minnesota, and Houston out. Houston guys, uh, I believe, were semifinalists last year in the West. They are – they're they've they've won less than 25 percent of their games they're wow yeah, 16 they, and 49. they've only won 16 wow. games wow um hey i guess that uh uh what's his name who went to washington <laughs> it was pretty important what's his name Jay? no the triple the uh triple triple the guy oh, he went to oh, the next harden. right yes harden the beard no no james not harden. Him. no 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 james harden no there's another guy that was with the rockets that goes down there with him you know the Russell Westbrook. It? Yeah, Russell Westbrook. He's Russell now Westbrook, he's yeah. now a uh, wizard. Yeah. And they're hey, playing well. Right, I, I think they're inside the playoffs. So, 
Sorry. Um, and we need to get our old buddy Shea back uh, yeah. for an, an NBA scrub, right? Um, but I did see, um, and I, I, I never watch sports. I don't, I, I don't follow the NBA, but the Orlando Magic have uh, number 50, Cole Anthony. Um, it's their, their superstar, right? He had a game winner. And he was so ridiculously confident after. The interview is awesome. He's just like, I want the ball. I tell my guys, give me the ball. And I look, he's wearing number 50. And his last name's Anthony. Uh, Sean, he's the son of Greg Anthony from UNLV. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Shay called him out when he played at Carolina. Yeah, great player. Yeah, yeah. So it was his um, YouTube, his interview this last week. He's basically saying, Guys, I got this. I tell my teammates, I want the ball. I want to deliver. He's so confident. He plays for Atlanta? Borderline cocky, but doesn't cross that line. And he had a game winner. Um, but again, I saw the number 50, and I'm like, Cole Anthony, 50. And I just had a flashback uh, to Greg Anthony, you know, the – so, God, we're getting old enough where we're starting to see the uh, the offsprings of some of the guys we've watched years ago. Right? <laughs> it's, it's kind of fun to see. So, anyway. Anthony, remember, Anthony remembers watching Lou Gehrig's son play. So, I mean, because it's, uh, uh, sorry, Anthony. <laughs> yikes, yikes. Uh, just had a birthday. Just had a birthday. You gotta, have any kids. you gotta kind of rub it in. <laughs> hey, let's quickly wrap up NHL. Uh, here's, here's teams that have locked up playoff spots. We're just a, about a week and a half out. Uh, Carolina, Tampa Bay, and Florida in, in the central. Nashville and Dallas basically deciding that last spot there in the central. Uh, Nashville with a four-point lead right now. East is all locked up. Washington, Pittsburgh, Boston, New York Islanders are in. Um, up north, the Great White. Toronto and Edmonton have spots. It's down to basically three teams, uh, Winnipeg, Montreal, and Calgary for the last two. And out west, you got Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota in. Three teams still available. Um, Los Angeles is going to be out probably tonight or tomorrow it's st louis or arizona um bill if arizona can somehow find a way to get in there you have two former teams to kind of just you know drop a couple couple points on yeah it'd be fun i mean it's it's great to see the, i mean the, the uh the suns and the coyotes the coyotes were in the we were in the stanley cup one year that i lived there the 17 years i lived there they i think lost yeah. uh um who did lose boston two? islanders right islanders yeah or no, i mean the rangers rangers speaking of rangers how about that Tom Wilson of the Capitals. Can we talk about that? Did you see that play? I did. Yeah, he uh, it was a scrum in front of the net. It happens. And Tom Wilson, Anthony, we remember watching him, you know, the Caps beat the Lightning, then the sure. Lightning beat the Caps to falling. He's just a big, yeah. big kid, super strong, loves Boone, to fight, will. plays really dirty. Yeah, it's kind of a... He, he's feisty. Yes, he's feisty. Let's feisty say that. to dirty because what he did If he to, plays on your team, he's feisty. Yeah, the, the, he might have crossed that line last night. Because he, he during this scrum, this fight, he ends up taking, I can't remember the scorer's name, Pavin, I think, Anthony, but he grabs his hair with his glove yeah. hand and yanks him to the ground. So the guy's completely off his skates going backwards and he yanks him down to the ice by his hair, trying to slam his head on the ground. Fortunately, his shoulder hit first, so his head hit, but not as with much force. And that wasn't enough. As he's trying to get back up, he slammed his head back down on the ice, his face first. It was wow. unbelievable. Never seen it before like that. And uh, Penalty called? Oh yeah, ten minute mis misconduct, a, a, maybe a double minor or something, or five minute major. But, but his fine from the NF NHL after nearly killing a guy, five grand. 
no yeah. suspension. Mm. Unbelievable. Yeah, there's people are pissed all over the NHL. I mean, everybody, including yeah. Capitals fans. No, I just yes. made that last part up. But <laughs> no, there's, a, way- there's a great editorial in the New York Post uh, written by Larry Brooks, who's the New York, uh, the New York Rangers uh, writer. Yeah. It says the league's failure to properly discipline Wilson puts the onus for revenge on Quinn's crew, which is the Rangers. The Rangers guy. Uh, Great. Yep. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, I mean, the, the kid, the kid, the kid who he, he slammed to the ground and his name, I'm drawing a blank on it myself, Bill. Uh, uh, Bukinevich. Uh, no. Injures Panarin. Yeah, Ar- Artemis Panarin, who used to play for the Blue Jackets. Okay. Right. He's yeah. They, uh, they call him the bread man. He's like Panera. Yes. He's probably not going to play again. Yeah, he won't play till the till the postseason, right? And he's done the regular right. season. Yeah. 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 Um, unbelievable. I mean, you, was... you can you can find, you just Google it, YouTube it. There's slow motion videos of what he did, and it was so intentional and so wrong. You know, it'd be like somebody just taking a stick to the face of a guy, which has happened, and those guys generally get suspended for the year. Um, he tried to hurt this guy. It wasn't just, uh, you know, the typical gloved hand of the face kind of a thing, right? Which happens in every game. So the fine is the maximum allowable under the collective bargaining agreement. The fine might be, but this, he could be, he could have been suspended. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. that's a total call by the commissioner. Interesting. Todd, give us an update on soccer, maybe a little Sunderland update. Uh, looks like Sunderland is going to be in the, uh, in the, uh, um, promotion playoff. So they finally won a big game this last week. Um, they had dropped three or four in a row, dropped points, not really lost, but didn't win. Um, so it's hoping for the automatic promotion, but it looks like they're in line for the, um, promotion playoff, which I think will be on ESPN plus. So I'm going to keep you guys okay. up to date. This will be some nervy fun times for our uh, our Sunderland Sunderland squad so um Man City the EPL is running away with that playoff uh the relegation seems to be going to be um uh Sheffield United uh West Brom and Fulham um unless a miracle happens those three will be relegated and uh Champions League uh all England final Man City versus Chelsea Chelsea Um, yeah, shaked out today. So um, I say go Chelsea and, and uh, the young American Christian Pulisic. So that's what I'm going to be. Uh, that's who I'm going to be rooting for. Um, but that's basically it in a nutshell, Sean. What if I play I golf with a guy and I want, I don't, he's a Chelsea fan. I just don't want him to win for that reason. <laughs> There's a guy that's in our okay. group that's actually, <laughs> he's actually British. He's a big Chelsea fan. So I just don't want him to win. Is that bad, Anthony? Well, well, no, well, your, tra- your track record is you're rooting for Man City, so they'll lose. So it's not good, right? Well, I'm a Man U guy, so, uh, you know, it's different. But I mean, whoever, you know, your, your teams don't win, Bill. Traditionally Generally speaking, you're absolutely right. So. Yeah. <laughs> Generally, absolutely. That was cheap. My bad, Bill. That was cheap. It's okay. So, that that, that to Chelsea fan that we speak of is one of those lucky bastards that has gotten to play Augusta. Oh, that's right. Yeah, now right? I really so want go Man more, City. All go the more Man reason to, for, to, to not root for Chelsea because he'll it, just be unbearable. They're, they're the Man City <laughs> Abu Dhabis. Is that what they are, Todd? I think that's their, their mascot, Man City Abu Dhabis. Um, a lot of money. By the way, not, I, a lot of money's been pumped into Man City. I have to point sure. this out. Minor, even more minor here. Well, those are major sports, but AFL, 
in my footy tipping uh, league, I, I had to pick all nine games. Right. Nobody got more than two right out of 18 players. It was wow. that kind of an upset week. I always take my new team, my new AFL team. You know what it is, the Melbourne Demons. They mm-hmm. haven't won the championship since 1964. They're undefeated. They're now 7-0. and No kidding. <laughs> and, and the fact that I've been, I rooted for before the season started, they're all laughing at me at rate my agent, just laughing their asses off. I go, hey. God, Anthony, let's all buy in and short them. Let's yeah. short them. <laughs> Todd, I'm trying to break that streak. I'm supporting a team. Those they're are, undefeated. I, I'm rooting for you, Bill. I'm rooting yeah. for you. Yeah, we're all, we're all pulling for you. All right. I love you. it. I love just, that story. You, yeah. If you're to be Aussie, you just say, go D's. Go D's. D's, D-E-E-S for demons. You're probably so, one of the few that says it, so that's good. Go, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're probably right. That's I love it. Yep. All right, round the horn. Let's go. Mal, what do you got coming up this week? Uh, this week, we have uh, a, an inspection at one of our homes tomorrow, which we'll get, we have got it under contract very quickly. On Friday, I'm pretty excited. You know, I, I, uh, I spend a fair amount of time at Quantum Leap Farm, the therapeutic equestrian farm yep. here in Tampa. And uh, we're having a, a goodbye party for Ganelon, who is one of the therapy horses who's being retired mm-hmm. to a, uh, a life of leisure. So there'll be a bunch of uh, kids from uh, Jacob's Touch, the school for autistic kids, uh, and a bunch of staff and, and, and supporters who are going to have a little, we're having actually a goodbye party for a horse, which is going to be pretty cool. Ganelon is one of the coolest animals that's ever walked the planet, uh, as gentle as can be, and has helped many people through uh uh, trying physical and emotional time. So we're, we're going to celebrate a horse, actually. And then in the afternoon on Friday, um, our broker, we're having a, a group of, I think it's eight or 10 uh, folks in, in, the, in the company uh, sit down and, and really go through the analytics of the current market and try to come up with both marketing materials and, and talking points for the current market. Uh, so to, I'm looking forward to sitting in a room with, with people who've been doing this real estate thing for a while and are looking at the numbers and trying to get better in, in being that, that resource to our buyers and sellers. So that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, our broker is a very analytical guy and uh, uh, having a, that roundtable discussion is going to be a lot of fun. And awesome. I'm hoping I do nothing on the weekend besides clean up the dust in my house and play some golf. Love it. Good update, Mal. Todd, what's going on in the ATL other than fingers crossed on some lacrosse? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, super excited about Friday night. Um, this coming Monday will be two weeks post second uh, Pfizer shot. So super looking forward to that. All's good. Um, the only advice I give anyone is Talk to your doctor. If, uh, if you're concerned or worried about shot, get some medical advice and don't just read anything randomly and uh, make a decision. And whatever you decide, it's okay. Okay. Um, so Sean, uh, May is mental health awareness, which I think is uh, super important, right? So um, if, uh, if you're in the need, uh, it, it's, it's a good month to spotlight. Um, 
Yeah, the last, what, 20 years, uh, such a, a big focus has come across mental health. So I think that's a, a great thing, right? So um, just wanted to throw that out there. And, and finally, I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. Um, Sunday's Mother's Day. Uh, we all know mothers. Let's uh, make their, their day super special, super awesome. Um, and uh, it's, it's well documented. Mom, mom died last year. And I'm a firm believer you can choose to be happy or choose to be sad. So I'm going to choose to be happy this Sunday um, and, and super honor mom and uh, try to think of all the great things. Uh, miss her to death. Um, and the reason I bring up mental health awareness is there's a difference between really needing professional help and um, just kind of deciding I'm going to choose the way I look at something. So uh, looking forward to, to Sunday and honoring all those those great mothers out there. And Sean, I charge you to walk in Starbucks uh, with your mom. I think it's great how you uh, interact with her and uh, certainly jealous, uh, not jealous, happy for you that you get to do that uh, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Bill, what's going on, man? Tell me about the podcast this week. Loved the episode. Thought it was great, but for the, we're, we're recording a day late. So yeah, people haven't maybe listened to it. Give yeah. We had Inez Hegedus Garcia from uh, Venezuela, who now is in Miami. Architect was architecture was her passion and she was able to take that architecture love and turn it into a residential, um, you know, kind of business in the Miami area, very cool story. And she was such an early adopter of blog, the whole blog scene, video scene, her, uh, her, her, you know, uh, her mimosa video series, Sean is awesome. Um, yep. so she's, she's just done some great stuff. So it's a great episode. You should check it out. And next, um, next week, I'll bring it up just in case, but I'd, uh, I've already in the can ready to go is Stacy Onan, who is the president of brokerage operations for EXP realty. Cool. So I knew her. She's a good friend of Holly Maybreeze. And I think you know that okay. name, Sean. She was guest number Episode two. Six. two. 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 Okay. Nice. Very, okay. very good. Well done. <laughs> uh, out of 282 episodes, you're within four. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> the only problem is you went over, so you lose. You yeah. So he's over under, over under picks. One dollar. Right? Yeah. Jay Thompson, Holly. That's Holly, good. Exactly. Yeah. Who's three? Katie Lance. Yes. Yes. You're amazing. That is amazing. amazing. (laughs) Anthony's just shaking his head. It's over. Uh, That's hey, look, we're really busy at Rate My Agent. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm actually inking some national deals over the next week. It's going to be exciting to talk about after we can talk about them. So, all kinds of good stuff happening. And uh, yeah, so, uh, and we're going to be traveling. I'm already, I'm headed to the leading. Leading RE companies of the world in Austin, Texas, in a couple nice. of weeks, and then in uh, July, uh, no, in June, I'll, I'm sorry, in July, I'll be in um, Vegas for a broker's. Oh, I'm sorry, we'll be in. I don't know. I'm all over the place. I can't even remember. I mean, but I'm flying everywhere all of a sudden. Buying tickets, going to be in Inman in October, right? In uh, Vegas, and then we're going to NAR in San Diego in November. So that's awesome. Busy, 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 which is cool. How about you? Well, guys, I took my my son to Oklahoma City for his internship, and everything turns on Friday. I head down to South Carolina. My baby girl graduates college. Wow. Uh, Riley is wow. done. She heads off to adulthood Friday, 
we're going to have a nice uh, dinner with her and her freshman year roommate, uh, Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Uh, Saturday, we wait for a late night graduation at the Willie B Stadium. Uh, wasn't sure what the weather's going to be, possibly rain, possibly some heat. Uh, invested some ducats in some club level seats under the roof with air conditioning <laughs> and private bathroom. Nice. Got to nice. keep the wife happy and uh, excited to watch her graduate. Then we ride, ride home on Mother's Day. Um, so Rhonda gets a Mother's Day breakfast at Cracker Barrel or whatever it might be. But uh, Todd, <laughs> I appreciate your insights. I'll get home and I'll uh, take a little extra late night walk with Nana and uh, and, and be ready for that. And then uh, just to, you know, and then, then hit it hard next week with a lot of coaching sessions with my Cincinnati top agents. So excited to get back into the scheme of things. Got a couple things in contract. Delivered some Cinco de Mayo gifts to my, my clients today, some margaritas and some beers with some cool glassware and limes. Um, that was kind of a un, unplanned, got some couple hours in my day. So let's do something fun for people. And uh, that was kind of neat. So listen, it's a, uh, it's about building relationships, solving problems and having fun and watching sports. And so that's what we do. And uh, on behalf of Anthony and Todd and Bill, I'm Sean Carpenter. Thanks for listening to the Stare Down.